afraid to and everyone at home. the 
coolest we've never seen before. We're at the doorstep, we're at the door. Breaking every chain you set us free 
fighting for the furthest heart you gave your life for all to see tearing through the veil of darkness breaking every chain you set us free fighting for the furthest heart you gave your life Thank you that your love is relentless.
Spirit of the living God breaking. Come shake these walls. Come shake these walls with a mighty rushing wind. I've seen a glimpse. I've seen a glimpse of your great power. I felt a hope that ignites me like fire. Let's sing that one more time. Spirit of the living God. The Spirit of the living God breaking. Come shake these walls. Come shake these walls with a mighty rushing wind. I've seen a glimpse your great power I felt a hope it ignites me like fire Jesus Jesus you're all my heart longs for Jesus your presence to fully invade I felt a love I felt a love that took away destiny So I pour my love on the King above all kings Jesus Jesus
have your way, have your way. I'm longing for your presence to fully invade. I felt a love that took away dead sting. So I pull my love on the King above all kings. Jesus, Jesus, you're all my heart longs for. Jesus, your presence, I need you more. Jesus, you're Your presence, I need you more, Jesus, Jesus, you're all my heart longs for, Jesus, your presence. you're always with us. You're always here, but we ask that you manifest your presence, Lord God. As we worship you, Lord. Your healing flow 
mountains move mountains move oh, and victories are won we're gonna carry your banner into battle Lord gonna praise you for victories we've not seen before gonna praise you for things that aren't as though they
forever you'll be my God and all that you've done is so overwhelming yes we know the power of your cross forgiven and free forever you'll be my God and all that you've done is so
Raise our hands. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Oh God, there is no one more wonderful. You are wonderful. God, you are the most wonderful. You are glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. Oh God, there is no Beautiful again. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. Oh God, there is no one more beautiful. You are beautiful. God, you are the most beautiful.
Praise the Lord. How many of you can say the Lord is beautiful? And how many of you also know that you can delight yourself in the Lord? That's what we've been doing this morning is worshiping the Lord God, the risen Savior who lives inside of us. What a blessing and what a what an unending joy that we have to delight ourselves in the Lord. Never gets old, does it? And it never, ever will. Thank you, praise and worship team. And good morning, church family online and ministry friends around the world. And also those of you in the live studio audience. God bless you. Good morning. Are you ready to continue into the stream of the spirit and continue into that wonderful flow of the spirit of God today? Well, I believe God has some wonderful things planned for you today and also this week. Today is Sunday, June the 29th, 2014. And by the way, I'm sorry I missed you Wednesday on the Morning Glory program. We had a little technical difficulty, and I was out of town uh, uh, traveling, so at that time I could not rush back to fix it. But by God's grace, we've overcome it. And I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday on the uh, Morning Glory show, early Wednesday at 6 o'clock in the morning. So bring your Bibles and your coffee. We'll have a good time. Now, uh, tomorrow is Monday, the 30th of June, and my radio interview begins with uh, Brother Sid Roth. So uh, please uh, go to his website, sidroth.org, and you can see the radio interview that Sid and I did. And, of course, when you do the television show, you've only got a half hour, okay? But when you do a radio interview, you have more time. So we talked about some things about the coming glory, about the wonderful things God's doing now to position us even for the greater glory, okay? And I think you'll be fascinated by some of the things that the Holy Spirit led us into during our conversations, okay? So, uh, by the way, if you're here visiting my website uh, and my live stream channel because perhaps you have heard the radio interview and you surfed over to my uh, website, I'm glad you're here. And we just trust that our ministry will be a blessing to you. There's many products, many articles that you can visit that will edify and nourish you spiritually so feel free to help yourself to the buffet table that we have prepared for you to feast at and after you get done eating you'll be strong in the lord okay now today let's uh get ready to receive our tithes and offerings i want to read just a couple of scriptures to you this morning from hebrews chapter 7 okay so if you have your bibles meet me in hebrews chapter 7 we're going to have a good time today and i believe the holy spirit is orchestrating something special today. I really believe that. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, it says, For this Melchizedek, why don't you say that? Say Melchizedek. Kind of a long name, isn't it? A lot of syllables in there. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Just another good day from for Abraham. Just got through slaughtering a bunch of kings. And uh, a nice uh, blessed day for Abraham. And uh, it says in verse 2, uh, talking about Melchizedek, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So he gave a tithe of all the spoil, all the plunder to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a very fascinating figure in the Bible because uh, on purpose, not much was mentioned about him. We don't really know hardly anything about him. And he was cloaked uh, in an element of uh, immortalness, okay? Uh, coming on the scene with no real beginning, then kind of disappearing off the scene with no, with no ending. 
uh, to typify to us the Lord God Almighty, the eternal God. Now, some theologians believe that Melchizedek wasn't a real flesh and blood person, that he was actually what we would call a theophany, God actually appearing on the earth and taking a human form, and then Abraham uh, talking to Melchizedek, who some theologians say was actually the Lord uh, in a pre-incarnate body. But I feel uh, more along the lines that Melchizedek was actually a real person who actually lived on the earth, and when Abraham won a great battle, he took a tithe, and he gave it to Melchizedek. Now, verse 4, now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. You know, Abraham wasn't just like a little kid on the block. This is a point in his life where he's blessed. He has over 300 servants, and he has a lot of cattle. He has a lot of silver, and he has a lot of gold. What does Abraham do with uh, 10% that has just, he's just got a big blessing in his life because he comes back with all these spoils, and uh, what does he do with 10% of it? He gives it he gives it to Melchizedek. So what he does with the tithe is he sends it upward, okay? Well, Pastor Stephen, I want to take my, pot, my tithe and I want to give it to the poor. That's what offerings are for, okay? But I don't see anywhere in the Bible, and I, I, I've read through it and, and tried to study along this line, I don't see where the tithe ever goes downward. The tithe goes upward, okay? So what does Abraham do with the tithe? He sends it upward to somebody greater than him. Now, come on and hear what I'm saying today. If you want to, if you want to bless certain uh, 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 orphanages or you want to give to the poor or things like that, that's fine. You can use your offerings for that. But your tithe, listen, your tithe should be going into the spiritual storehouse of your life, okay? And so if this, this online church and this ministry is providing you the spiritual manna and the spiritual substance that is feeding you, come on, bring it in. Hallelujah. Send it up, and we shall receive it as unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, look at verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes. Well, I, I, thought, I thought by Paul's day, the tithing had been cycled out because, you know, we're, we're, we're out of the old covenant, we're into the new. Well, he's still talking about here, mortal men receive tithes. And, and, and the Levitical priesthood system is, had, had passed, well, at that, at that time, is beginning to really pass off the scene. And, and today, in essence, it is, okay? Now, we're all priest in the body of Christ, but you still want to send your tithe upward. Why? Because the Lord's still receiving it. It says right here that he is. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Who, who Who's still living? The Lord Jesus. The resurrected Lord Jesus. Guess what else he's still doing besides living? He's receiving tithes. So when you send your tithe into this house, when you send your tithe I take my hands and I pray over it. When it comes in, even through the Internet, through a credit card donation or credit card tithe, I lay my hands on it. My wife and I, we pray over it. And we ask God to bless it. We ask God to bless you. Here, mortal men, as in Pastor Stephen Brooks, are still receiving tithes. Why? Because he's receiving them up there. And when I put my hands on it, he takes his hand and puts it over mine. Okay? So I'm ready to receive your tithes today. Those in the live studio audience, if you'd like to at this time give your tithe or your offering, uh, there are offering uh, slips being passed around, tithe offering slips being passed around. Those of you online that like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina 28654. 
Okay, those of you that also like to give through the secure convenience of a credit card transaction, you can do that at this time at my ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. On the left, there is a re, uh, there is a link called Sow and Reap. Okay, and it actually says tithes and offerings. You can click that, and you can honor the Lord right now by blessing Him, uh, sending the tithe upward, and bringing also in those offerings that the Holy Spirit would touch your heart to sow, okay? So go ahead and do that right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that even before the law was instituted, uh, ordaining that 10% be given, Abraham was tithing before the law. So, Father, we thank you that he is our spiritual father, and so he tithed by faith. He lived in this earth by faith, so we follow his biblical example. We are people of faith. We bring our 10% in, and we trust that you can take our 90% and do a lot more than we can ever do on our own with 100. So, Father, we thank you. I ask that you bless your people now as they bring the tithe into the storehouse and as they sow seed as they're led by your Spirit. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let us say amen. Praise the Lord today. Praise the Lord forevermore. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and go somewhere that I believe that the Holy Spirit has prophetically preordained by going to the book of Psalms, and I want you to go, out of all those wonderful Psalms, I want you to go to number 37, okay? Can you do that today? Psalm 37, praise the Lord forever. God is up to good things, and he knows right where you're at, and he knows right what you need, and everything's going to be just fine. Yes, it is. Praise the Lord. So we are in Psalm 37. Let's start in verse 1. Do not fret, be worried, or be anxious, or be troubled because of evildoers. Nor be envious, or you know, jealous, or desiring what they have of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass. They're like grass that just gets mowed by the lawnmower and gets chopped down. Well, that's not a very good position to be in, is it? And wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I like that. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Now, were we singing a song today about delighting ourselves in the Lord? Now, see, Brother Sean put those songs together by the Spirit. I had no idea that that song would be incorporated into our worship today. But I know that God knows what he's up to. And he has it all planned out. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you what? The raw end of the deal? Shall he give you the short end of the stick? Shall he leave you left holding the empty bag? And he shall give you what? The desires of your heart? How about that? Praise you, Lord. Father, we ask today that as your word comes forth, that your Holy Spirit would anoint it as seed coming into our heart, that it will bear forth that hundredfold return of righteousness, of joy, peace, contentment and happiness. Now, Father, we thank you. We are your kingdom people. In Jesus' name, amen. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Delight in the Hebrew literally means to be soft and pliable. It means to live delicately. Or it means to also live or spend your time in comforting type enjoyment. In other words, what it's trying to say is that you are into the things of God, okay? So if you delight yourself in the Lord, you are into what God's into. Whew, I like that. In other words, you, you love reading your Bible. 
Okay, you love spending time with the Lord. You're into those types of things. Unlike the evildoers of the world who work iniquity, who find unholy pleasures in sin, you find pleasure in God. You find pleasure in the church, his people. You find pleasure in his word. You find pleasure in his kingdom. You find pleasure in doing his will. You delight yourself in all of these various attributes of who God is and what he's up to in the earth today. If he's in on it, you're in on it. You say, God, I'm in on that. I see your hand there. I see your spirit moving there. Count me in. Glory to God. That's what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. Well, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, we have a fascinating promise. It says, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Well, I talked about this one time in my book when I was actually at work one day, and a, a co-worker, he tried to quote a imaginary scripture. You know, it's hard to quote something that doesn't even exist. I mean, your, your faith can't go beyond the word. So if it's not in the B-I-B-L-E, you have no faith for it, okay? So he, I guess he was trying to act pious, and he said, God will meet your needs, but that's all. That's all. I said, where's that at in the Bible, knowing that it's not there? Well, I, I, you know, I, I heard it quoted one time in church. I said, well, the reason, don't waste time trying to look it up because it's not there, okay? But let me show you something that is in the Bible that you might not be familiar with. And I opened this verse up, Psalm 37, 4, and I didn't read it for him. I said, here, I said, please read this. I want you, I wanted him to see it and tell me what that says. And he read verse 4, and he said, I've never seen that in my life before. I said, not only is that fascinating, talking about God not just meeting your needs, but even desires, but I said, there's a lot of other good things that are in here, too, that give confirmation to that. And so I, I believe God stirs us up, stirs us up, and so blesses us that he allows us to have these desires that he places within our hearts. God gives us the desires of our hearts. The word desires in the Hebrew means desires that are formed out of petitions or requests that we bring before him. Now, notice that it's plural. In other words, you could have more than one desire of your heart. Somebody just breathed. A, I could just hear a big relief. Well, thank you, Pastor Stephen. I thought I was abnormal. I've got like four of them. Is that okay? Yes, you're still okay. All right. So, so if we look even deeper and we ask ourselves, what is a desire of our heart? It's not... Technically, it's not a need. It's a desire, okay? This is not like something like, I have a great desire to pay my electrical bill. How many of you know you just don't really get excited about that? I have a really great desire to be have an intricate involvement in paying my $12 water bill. That just doesn't really stir you up, does it? Have you ever noticed that these desires that lie embedded within the depths of your heart, have you ever noticed that if you carefully look at them or meditate on them, they're all out of reach. Ever thought about that? Every single one of them is out of reach. In other words, a heart desire cannot be classified as a light bulb. Right? Why? Because if you and I both know if you really desired a light bulb, you could get in your car, drive five minutes to the closest store. You could even get one at a gas station, okay? You could go inside a convenience store and get a light bulb. So the essence that it's a desire means it's something that normally it's beyond your reach. Is that correct? 
What about a heart's desire? What about a bar of soap? Would that classify in the category of a biblical heart's desire? No, it would not. Why? Because you can grab that. Okay, it might be slippery, but you can get your hand on it and grab it, right? Okay, so you can reach that in your own ability. But a heart desire is something that God placed deep within you. And maybe you've had it ever since you were a child. You've carried this thing around in your heart that one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to accomplish this. One thing, uh, one day this thing shall come forth in my life. For some of us, maybe the heart's desires were, uh, they were manufactured and they, they became uh, fully developed when we became older. And as we got older and maybe even matured in our walk with the Lord, we began to be able to put our finger on something very concrete and very tangible inside of us that God wants us to have. Is it a need? Not necessarily. But is it a desire? You better believe it is. And you would be lying to yourself, and you would be lying to the Lord if you told him you didn't really want it when you know you do. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm kicking over a sacred cow today that says God's not concerned about your desires. Yes, he is. All you have to do is read the Bible. It's right there. I'm telling you, God is so good, and he's so big. And even as we sang in the song, he's so, he's so um, just mind-boggling in so many ways that he, he created us to have a, a need to want to have our needs met, but also to want to see desires of our heart be manifested and to be not out of reach, but be pulled into our lives. All right. Well, we have this amazing promise, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And then we look at these heart desires, we realize they're out of reach. That, that in essence, uh, just putting them in that category, also in the same time, places them out of reach. That's why it's a desire. So we're left with the question, how do I reach out and possess my heart's desires. Woo! Can I give you four proven methods? Not experimental, not theoretical. Can I give you four proven biblical methods of how to reach it and grab it and take hold of it and make it yours? Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Get ready. Number one, step number one, the first thing you must do is write down your heart's desires. Write that down today. The first thing you need to do is write down your heart's desires. It's already within you. You know what it is. Now, this is not something that you sit down with a blank sheet of paper and you have what we call writer's block. I don't know where to go. I've got to fabricate or create something. No, it's already there. Write down that desire. That's You already know what it is, okay? Uh, and it, like I said, the heart's desires in the Bible is plural. It can be more than one. It might be four. It might be five. Now, this, this also, you understand, we're not like talking like a Christmas wish list. You understand? These are not things that I, I just wish upon a star. No, this is not like that. This is something God put in you. This is something God put in you. And you desire to bring this forth as part of why, as part of why you're on the planet. Okay? So this thing is inside of you. Okay. Now, write them down. For example, one of, one of your heart's desires might be, for a new home. Well, I feel guilty writing that down, Pastor Stephen. It's not really a need, and uh, I, I don't really deserve it. Hey, it's a heart's desire. Write it down. We're in the age of grace. We're in the uh, dispensation of mercy. By the way, this this is not going away. We'll always be in the grace 
of God, okay? It's not like this This is a uh, epoch in time that ends. No, it continues, okay? So write it down, unashamedly. Write it down as you're before the throne of grace. Write down that heart's desire. Is it a new home? Write it down. Put it on paper. What about a new car? Maybe there's somebody that in your heart you've always wanted a certain model of a new car. I spoke with a person about a month ago, and they told me, uh, Pastor Stephen, I have a dream inside of me. I've always wanted this since I was a young person. I've always wanted to have my own BMW. Okay? Oh, no, now, Pastor Stephen, did you turn around and rebuke that child of God and say, oh, you dirty child of God, how dare you desire something material of this world? Get on your knees and repent. No. I said, that's wonderful. I said, God will give it to you. How about that? So let me let me share something. These are heart desires. She she's desiring a BMW, and I'm trying to edge her into the realm of God. If that's what she wants as a heart desire, believe God for a new one. Because sometimes we get over into the mental realm and we try to like uh, rationalize and make reason of these things, and we think, well, maybe if I save up enough, I can go down to the used dealership get an old used one. Okay, but let me ask you this. In, in your heart of hearts, does anybody honestly desire an old, used, wore-out vehicle? Now, there's nothing wrong if your vehicle's used. There's nothing wrong if that's the state that it is. But if you could have the choice of desiring something, would you not rather desire a brand-new car, something that somebody uh, has not taken and, and, and just wore out and stomped on the gas pedal and burned out and strained the engine and, you know, has 300,000 miles on it. Would you not rather have something new? I know I would. Okay. So remember, if that is a heart's desire, write it down, write it down. And if it's a car, write down what type of model you would like. Heart's desire day today. Praise the Lord. See, we're delighting ourselves in the Lord. If you delight yourself in the Lord, what will the Lord do? He'll give you your heart's desires. Woo! Somebody watching today, you want your own business, but you need a little startup money. Okay, well, that's okay. Write that down, first of all. Heart's desire, my own business. I want to have my own business. I have a feeling there's a mom out there, maybe a dad out there watching me today, and you want to take your family. You want to be the hero. Come on. You want to take your family on an annual vacation. You want to take uh, the kids and, uh, and your spouse, and you want to say, guess what? I've saved up, and I've got the money, and we're going to go on a family vacation for seven days to Hawaii. Woo, glory to God. You know, you'd be the hero in your family. Mm, glory to Jesus, okay? Now, if that is a heart's desire, and you want to do something like that annually, Okay, you want to have an annual vacation, whether it's to uh, Epcot Center in uh, Disney World or, or on the other side of the planet, you need to write that down. First of all, write it down. Write them all down, okay? Maybe it's just three of them. Maybe it's five. Well, however many it is, ten, whatever. Write them down. After you've written them down on, on paper, I want you to very carefully and prayerfully slowly look over your very sacred list, Okay? Look over it very carefully, and as you look at each thing that is on that list, let's say you have seven things, what I want you to do next is beside each one, I want you to write the financial cost of that item. In other words, if you've written down, you home, I've always wanted to have 
my own dream home where I can have a beautiful home and I thank God that perhaps I live in an apartment or I thank God that perhaps I'm renting or leasing or whatever, this or that or the other. But in your heart of hearts, you always wanted a new home. You've got that written down. Now, write down the financial value of what you need to be able to get that home. If it's $500,000, write $500,000 next to your new home. Okay. Now, by the way, we're in the dream realm. Okay. We're, we're in the realm where you can dream. So if you really want something that costs $900,000, please don't start reasoning everything out and just write $300,000 down and say, well, I'll build it myself. No, don't do stuff like that. If that's how much that home cost, write down how much it really costs for you to build that home or to have, you know, have it built, have it decked out the way you want. But if you put a car down for your heart's desire, then you need to put the, you need to go online, find out how much that brand new car cost. And if, and if it's $50,000, you need to write that down. Woo. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. I had a friend one time that wanted a brand new Mercedes Benz. He's making about $3,000 a month and doesn't, didn't really have any, no, actually he was making a little bit more than that, but no, no budget in there. And he's married, has children, no, no room within his budget to squeeze a new Mercedes Benz in, but he wanted, he just wanted a brand new Mercedes Benz. I said, brother, you want, you want one of those cars? He said, yes. He said, I've always wanted one. I said, I'm going to help you out. I went out and I bought him a little model car. Me and my wife did. You thought I bought him a brand new one. No, that's God's business. I can't, I can't go around doing stuff like that all, all over the place. But I went out and bought him a brand new model Mercedes Benz and sat it on his desk. He said, oh, that's wonderful. He goes, now I can see it. I said, yes, now you can lock onto the vision. Would you believe that it was maybe about, oh, maybe three months later when he went to church and a businessman came up to him out of the blue. He's never had anything like this happen to him before and said on Monday, meet me at this address. And he went to that address on Monday and found out that that address was a Mercedes Benz car dealership. So he gets there. He doesn't know what's going on. He pulls in there with his, uh, I can't remember what he had, what kind of a car he had, but, uh, it, it was time for a replacement. Trust me. Well, he gets there and that businessman shows up and told him, he said, Go pick out anyone you want. And he went out and picked out a $50,000 brand new car. The one he wanted, fully loaded. And uh, wow, what a testimony. See, that's, that's, that, that's, that's, the, that's the heart's desires being manifested in your life. So if that's how much it costs, if it's $70,000, whatever, write it down. Okay, write down the cost. As you look over your list now, as you have written out your heart's desires and the cost of each one uh, a tangible worth, you'll probably notice something very quickly. They're all out of reach. Don't get nervous. Don't be depressed. It's okay. They're all out of reach. Look, it's the nature of heart's desires. Pastor Stephen, my heart's desires are not really a tangible type thing that you can put a financial value on. My heart's desires are that I want my children saved. My heart's desires are that I want I want a breakthrough for so-and-so who's very dear to me. Write that down on your list, okay? And then by, the, uh, then by the value, put a question mark. Because by the end of the message, you'll be able to erase that question mark. I'll show you how to do that, okay? 
The big question is, Pastor Stephen, regardless of these things, whether they can be tangibly touched or whether they have an intangible substance to them, uh, they're out of reach. What am I supposed to do to bring them into reach? I want to tell you right now that with God, with God, nothing is out of reach of a seed. Did you hear that? Nothing on planet Earth is out of reach of a seed. God can take your seed and multiply it many, many times over. I want to show something to you, and I want you, to, if you preferably, to be sitting down before I show this to you, because this is going to shake you up a little bit. I'm standing up, but I'll just hold on to the pulpit if I get a little bit uh, edgy up here, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I know you've seen this verse before, but you haven't maybe opened it up like, like, and seen what's really in this verse, because this is loaded. Like a baked potato with sour cream, uh, onions, uh, butter, and bacon bits all piled on top. But I want to show you something in this verse that perhaps you've never seen before. I don't think you have. You're going to be shocked at what this verse actually says as we amplify out of the original Greek its meaning over entire English understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now keep in mind, we've gone through the first step, write it down. We've gone through the second step, which is give a value to each one of your heart's desires. If it's an intangible thing, you just put a question mark for the time being. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed, say seed. Who supplies it? Who's he? It's God, isn't it? Let's talk today about how God gives some seed. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Right here in the New Covenant, Paul, the Apostle, lets us know that money can be used as a seed. Money, hear me today, money can be used as a seed. Okay? If you take the time to study the full context of chapter 8 and chapter 9, the whole context revolves around the receiving of, a, of an offering to sow as a seed. Well, I thought he was talking about cucumbers and corn. No. He's not talking about that type of seed. He's talking about money as a seed. Now, it says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower. God gives seed to who? The miser? He gives seed to the sower. See, the word of God, the promises of the word of God, they're, they're conditional. They're conditional. God gives seed to who? The sower. Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor Brooks, God ain't given me any kind of seed to sow. Well, I'd stand in front of the mirror and honestly ask myself, am I a sower or am I a miser? Am I some kind of a Scrooge? And that's why I've never had any kind of a seed to sow? Because mm. either God's lying or we've missed it. My Bible tells me God gives seed to who? Say I'm a sower. Woo! Mm. Praise the Lord. God does give it. Can I ask you a question this morning? I just maybe want to like, maybe we can negotiate a little bit today. Would I'm trying to persuade you to do something with God. Would you be open to having in your own private devotional time with the Lord? Would you be open to having a little one-on-one -on -one talk with God? 
where you can both reach a mutually agreeable deal, where that if he were to give you a seed and he took care of the seed, he actually gave it to you, would you actually commit to sow it before you ever got it? See what I'm saying? Let's say you have no seed coming in on the horizon. Pastor Stephen, I'd, I'd love to sow a seed. I don't see any seed out here. I don't really have any. Well, that's no, that's no problem with God. Let's make a little deal with the Lord. If you pre-agree to sow it before you ever give it, would you make an agreement to do that? Mm. Knowing that the pressure's on the Lord, knowing that the pressure's on the Lord to give it, if he actually gave it to you, would you sow it? Would you agree to sow it before you ever got it? Well, I'd like to wait and see till it comes in first. Uh, comes in first, then I'll agree to do it. Well, what happens if it comes in and then you're like, well, that was just luck? No, you must first come into an agreement with the Lord. Now, look, Lord, you and I both know I don't have it, but I'll make an I'll make an agreement with you right now that I'll sow it. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right, I'll commit to you right now that I'll sow it as long as you'll give it to me. And uh, look, God will make a deal on that. He'll make a deal on that. Okay. Woo. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, today. Mm. How about that? You know, um, my oldest daughter, Jennifer, and her husband, Alex, they live in the Charlotte area, about two hours south. They attend a very good Spirit-filled church, and uh, the pastor there is in the midst of uh, raising funds for a building project because they want to move out of their rented facility and into their own sanctuary, okay? So he is asking for pledge commitments, that people would make a pledge to pledge a certain amount of money towards this holy work of God. You know what Jennifer and her husband did? They made a pledge when they didn't have it and asked God for it. They said, Lord, we're going to make a pledge. This is what we're going to, we're going to actually pledge to do this, and we don't even have it. And they pledged a certain amount. They pledged a generous amount to donate towards, I mean, they, and they made a commitment. We're going to do it. They pledged a certain amount to do it, and they didn't have it. And would you believe that the boss man called my son-in-law into the office this past week and gave him a whopper raise? And would you believe that the raise was the exact amount of the annual pledge that they had made towards that building project? See, you make your commitment first because that way when it comes in, you don't start saying, well, oh, hey, you know, I, I didn't, you know, that just kind of randomly worked out like that. No, 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 no. You don't do that. You, you make the commitment first. You make your holy vow first, and then God, I guarantee you, he'll get you the seed. Woo, thank you, Jesus, today. Step number three, to bring your heart's desire that's out of reach into your life's possession, is agree ahead of time to sow a specific seed amount. Agree ahead of time. Before you ever get the seed. Agree ahead of time to sow a, a specific seed amount. How much? How much? That's where you need to talk with God and the Holy Spirit. He will reveal to you clearly what you're supposed to do. Now, husbands and wives, you need to come into agreement and get the witness so that you come together on the same number. Okay? 
whether it's $1,000. I mean, I mean, look at your heart's desired list. Look at your list. What if you're wanting a new home? Well, I'm going to sow $100 for that, really. God's so big that all he can get you is a $100 seed. I mean, remember, remember, this is not on you. This is on him, right? I mean, is that all you're going to ask him is for a hundred dollar seed? I mean, I mean, you're like trying to say to him is like, like, hey, you know, all I really think you can do is give me a hundred. I mean, is he bigger? Is is he a bigger God than that? Since he's footing the bill, would you like to believe for a little more seed than that? After all, if your if your seed doesn't move you, I can guarantee you it doesn't move God. Hear what I just said? Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you got a nice got a nice house written down on your heart's desire list, huh? What kind of seed does the Holy Spirit say you need to sow to bring that thing that's out of your reach? Listen, with your seed, it's no longer going to be out of reach. It's going to be in your life. But it's way out there right now. What kind of seed do you need to sow? What does the Holy Spirit say that you need to sow? Does he say $10,000 and you get nervous? Remember, it's on the Lord. He's going to supply it, not you. Woo! Since he's given you the seed to sow, all you got to do is believe for it, right? I mean, my Bible tells me that God gives seed to the sower. How about that? I'm telling you today, God is going to give you a whopper seed. Why? So you can get your heart's desire. Why? Because there's a whopper's heart's desire. Woo! I'm, look, I'm telling you how to get it. I am telling you the B-I-B-L-E way of how to get it. Mm. Now, in the scripture we see, 2 Corinthians 9.10, we see that God gives two things. Number one, he gives seed for you and I to sow. And number two, he gives us bread to eat. Now, let me say something. Your seed, not your bread, your seed is not for eating. It's for sowing. Your bread is for eating. Pay your bills, take care of your basics, blah, blah, blah. Take care of the boring elements of life. Pay the electric bill, pay the water bill, make the car payment, pay your rent, pay your mortgage, blah, blah, blah. Do all that with your, that's your bread. But your seed is, is for sowing. What happens to a farmer if he eats all of his seed and he doesn't sow any of it? What happens to the farmer? He never gets a harvest. Now may he who supplies seed. Are you sitting down? The word supplies is, is so loaded in the New Testament Greek that you've got to have a grasp on what is taking place here, uh, how God get, has the ability to supply your seed. Now may he who supplies. The word supplies in the Greek is epikorgeo. It means, now listen to this word, epikorgeo. It means, in the literal Greek, it means to richly and lavishly supply and financially fund everything needed for an ancient chorus to be a grand production. Isn't that wild? This word epikorgeo, korgeo, it's actually two words, epi and korgeo. Korgeo is where we uh, end up developing our English word uh, choir or chorus or choral. Woo! Back in the days of Paul, let's take the city of Athens, for example. If they wanted to fund for the entire Athenian public a large-scale chorus, 
and put it on the level of a major production, there's always a question. Who's going to foot the bill? Right? So the city officials, in order to make sure that the course was put on the level of a grand scale, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of singers because some of those theaters could hold 25, 30,000 people. Okay. So they had, they had tremendous amounts of seating and they want a gigantic course and they want all the drama effects. They want all the clothing. They the be, the be pristine to put that on. The city officials would pull from the treasury and they would make sure that the whole bill was footed by them, not the people. In other words, it's on the officials. Okay to provide for this major chorus. It's kind of like uh, our 4th of July festivals, fireworks. You know, uh, some of these cities, they put on these tremendous large-scale firework shows, and sometimes they're even, uh, they're even in sync with a live orchestra, with a live uh, choir singing and performing at the same time. But guess what? Somebody's got to pay for that. I mean, you see these elaborate fireworks in New York or Boston. They're so fascinating. Sometimes we watch them on TV. Who's paying for that? The, the city is paying for that. Now, look, here's what Paul's trying to say. Just as the city officials cover the bill for the whole entire lavish production, in the same way God gives you, God supplies you with a lavish seed. In other words, he foots the bill for the seed. He is the one who supplies you with a lavish seed to sow so that you can reach, you can reach through your harvest, your heart's desire. Amazing, isn't it? I heard the Holy Spirit say to me something I've never heard before. He said, God is a seed bank. Now, I want you to personalize that. Say, God is my seed bank. You actually have, uh, there's some major organizations that gather and collect seeds because a lot of these old heirloom seeds, they don't want them lost. And more and more get lost with every decade. And some of this, you know, of course, if they're lost and gone, they're gone. They're off the planet. They, long, they no longer exist. So you have uh, entire groups that uh, spend millions and millions of dollars to uh, collect all these seeds. And they put them in what are called seed banks. And they preserve these seeds for the future generations. God is a seed bank. Do you need some seed to sow? He is the heavenly bank that can provide you with the seed that you need to sow here on the earth. Sowing, and of course reaping, is delighting yourself in the Lord and his kingdom principles that we looked at earlier in Psalm 37.4. You don't need to try to reach your out-of-reach heart's desire through your own ability or your own reasoning of how you can work this out. Well, it is out of reach, Pastor Stephen, I'll admit that. But I'm not really into that seed sowing stuff. What I'm going to do instead is I'm just going to work 100 hours a week, and eventually I'll, I'll get there. Yeah, but you'll be burned out. Your marriage will fall apart. You, you'll be absent from your children. Your relationships, your friendships will begin to uh, dissipate and just vanish. And your walk with God, which is the most important thing, will grow cold and stagnant and dead. Okay? Why not just work the word and work the principles of seed time harvest? Seed time harvest. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. God's method for you to reach your heart's desire is through a seed and then reaping a harvest. The carnal mind thinks that by giving, you are subtracting from your assets. But the Lord multiplies seed. Say multiplies. You can reach your heart's desire with a seed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Heart's desires. Delighting ourselves in the Lord. The Lord knows what he's up to. He's helping you. He wants to see you reach that thing. He's trying to show you how to do it today. Pastor Stephen, can God really multiply seed? Mark chapter 4, verse 8. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop and sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Woo! Anything you sow, now listen to this, anything you sow can be multiplied. You can sow God's word in your heart and reap a harvest, a harvest of righteousness and peace and strength and victory. You can literally sow seed such as corn in the ground and reap a harvest of corn. You can sow seeds of mercy and forgiveness, and, and, and you just sow that all the time, and it just keeps coming back. Tremendous mercy, tremendous uh, favor, and uh, constant forgiveness is shown towards you. And you can also sow money as a seed into holy offerings that are inspired by the Spirit of God. Anything that you can plant as a seed, you can reap a harvest on it. Don't limit God. I don't know what's on your heart's desire list, but don't limit God. If you can sow a seed, you can touch it. Well, Pastor Stephen, mine's not really like a material thing. There's some things on my list like I'm single and, uh, you know, I want a husband. I, 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 I'm a single woman. I, 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 I want a husband or I'm a single guy. I want a wife. How do I sow for that? So I see, I see your big question mark written down on your list that I told you earlier to write down. I want to tell you right now how to take that question mark off there and put something uh, solid on there. Are you ready? Will you give me three seconds to drink? Now, Pastor Brooks, now it's easy for you to talk because you got a wonderful wife, family. you got all the bells and whistles of marriage and family and all the sweet things. And I'm sure it just all worked out for you. How come you got married to such a wonderful spouse? Through a seed. Can I tell you exactly what happened? My wife was single with two children from a previous marriage, ages eight and nine. And she's sitting in her church one day, has no knowledge of me. I have no knowledge of her. I'm living in a different state. We don't know each other. And so she's sitting in her church one day, and the pastor says, we need some new chairs. We need, some, we need some new chairs in the church, and I need people to give pledge amounts to sow seed that you'll buy some new chairs. You know what my wife did before I ever knew her? She actually said, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy four chairs, and I'm going to sow each chair as a seed. I'm sowing a chair for, I'm going to buy a, a, a chair for me. I'm going to I'm sow seed for it. I'm going to buy a chair for my, my son. I'm going to buy a chair for my daughter. 
and I'm going to sow seed and buy a chair for my husband, who God, I trust, will bring into my life. I even trust that God will bring uh, my future husband to my church. I even trust that God will bring this man, and he will come and sit in this chair that I'm sowing a seed for. Some of you, as you look at your sacred list, somebody has on that list a husband. Somebody actually wrote on that list, and you were honest with God, that you want a wife. You have a question mark next to it. What do I sow? How do I, how do I sow to touch something like this? A couple months passed by, and I was living in Texas and had this sudden urge to move to California. I woke up one morning, and the Holy Spirit told me to immediately go to California. I went to California began to kind of get settled, grab a job, stuff like that, visited a few churches and still didn't really find the church that I could connect with. And I was renting a, a, a room from a lady that had a very large home and a lot of single guys, uh, all Christians. She was a Christian lady, a lot of single guys living in the home. And um, I woke up one morning to go to this one church that I'd previously been visiting. And I got dressed and I went down to the living room and that lady was getting ready to head out. And she said, you need to come visit my church today. I said, well, I was planning on going to this other church. She said, no. She said, she said, the Lord wants you to come to my church today and come visit my church. And I walked into that church with her. And the moment I walked into that church, the Holy Spirit said, you will be raised up as a man of God in this church. Woo! I said, this is a fun church. <laughs> and uh, I said, where are we going to sit at? Over a thousand seats. This is not like there's 20 seats, so this is just reduced to like small random chance. This is over a thousand seats. We could have sat anywhere. And this lady took me all the way up to the front, to the front, passing row after row after row after row. And the strangest thing, we didn't sit at the end of a row. We, she just, she somehow took us into the middle of this long row. And she sat on my right. I sat on my left. And we got there in the, uh, and the praise and worship started, and then the prayer intercessors who had been praying for the service, they came out, and they took their seats, and the most beautiful lady I'd ever seen came out and sat at my, on my left, right next to me. And guess where I was sitting? Guess where I'm sitting? I have no idea. I'm sitting in the chair that she bought for the church for her future husband that she sowed as a seed for her future husband. And God got me up out of bed and told me to leave Lubbock, Texas, get in your car and drive to California. And I drove all the way out there, had no clue where I was going or what I was doing. And I end up in that church sitting in the very chair that she sowed a seed for her husband to come sit in. And we met, and we headed off, and we had a prophetic marriage, and two weeks later, we were married. And it's been over 18 years now. Glory to God. <laughs> Pastor Brooks, can God multiply seed? You better believe he can. Nothing is out of reach for the seed. Mm. Pastor Brooks, I've never really understood the 30-fold, 60-fold, and the 100-fold. Let me break it down very simply for you. 30-fold, good. 60-fold, better. 100-fold, God's best. <laughs> God's very best for your life. If you want to simplify it even a little more, gold, silver, bronze. Okay? Don't limit the 100-fold to being just a literal return, although that can happen. 
In Genesis 26, 12, it says, Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The hundredfold there was a literal 100 times multiplied back. And the crazy thing is that when he did it, he did it in a time of famine. The Philistines probably thought he was an idiot. Okay? They probably thought he's, he's going to go totally bankrupt. But he's sowing in faith. And he's sowing by the leading of the Spirit of God. And he got a hundredfold return. They got nothing. Mm. But he got his miracle. In agriculture, we have what is called the seed multiplication ratio. And it simply means this. It is the number of seeds that are produced from a single seed when it is sown and harvested. I have some seed multiplication ratios for you today. If you're standing up, please sit back down. You're going to need to sit down on some of this. Oh, now, Pastor Brooks, I don't know if God can multiply anything. Why not just look at the natural world? Can we at least draw some principles from the natural? If we can find it in the natural. Now, we've got it in the B-I-B-L-E. That's good enough for me. But can we verify it in the natural realm and add more meat to the bones? I believe we can. Let's start out with some seed multiplication ratios for some basic things. How about the potato? If you plant one potato, how many do you get? The, the uh, ratio is one to four. That's not very good. They taste good. And you can do all kinds of things with them, can't you? You can almost live off of them, okay? But the seed multiplication for the potato is basically sow one potato in the ground. You're going to have four multiplied. By the way, four is okay. It's a lot better than one to one, isn't it? I mean, you get four. I like that. What about the French bean? Mm -mm. Good old green beans. Sow one. What is the ratio? You'll get nine. Seed multiplication ratio of one to nine. What about oats? Now, we're not going to sow any wild oats today, but the, the, the multiplication ratio for oats is sow one, get 15. Okay? What about wheat? If I take one of those little kernels of wheat and plant it in the ground, how much can I get out of that? 20 of them. The ratio is one to 20. I'm going up. Cotton has a ratio of one to 50. The linseed has a ratio of 1 to 50. The sunflower, I like sunflower seeds, uh, preferably roasted and heavily salted, um, but never when you have to like get them off the plant yourself, right? Thank God for uh, mechanicization. Uh, the sunflower, so 1, it's multiplied back 50 times. The safflower, 1 to 60. Okay, let's bump it up a little bit. How many of you like carrots? They're good for your eyes, right? Okay. The carrot has a seed multiplication ratio of 1 to 83. Hey, we've come a long way from 4 or 9, haven't we? Okay. And this is also why certain farmers like to plant certain crops, because you have very high seed uh, multiplication ratios on certain things. Okay. You get, a, you, get a lot, you get a lot of bang for your buck, so to speak. Okay. So the carrot is one carrot. You'll get 83 out of that. Wow. I like this. The radish. That's the first one to break into the hundredfold return. One radish, you'll get, sow it, plant it, you'll get a hundred back. Isn't that amazing? Woo! Ooh, glory. Mm. This, this information comes from the world's leading agricultural universities, by the way, okay? The mustard seed, which we hear about in the Bible. Sow one, guess how many you get back? A hundred. It meets the hundredfold. But look, 
You can have a literal hundredfold return. This is actually proven in the earth. It works in the earth. I think a lot of believers aren't even aware that this stuff exists. Okay? The, uh, the mustard seed, one to 100. The watermelon has a 100-fold seed multiplication ratio. Now, certain types of corn, the, I'll say it like this, the average, your average type of corn has a multiplication ratio of 100. Next time, you're eating corn on the cob, okay? Maybe it's not that often that you eat corn on the cob. Maybe you're just eating it out of a can. Go get some and, and, that's, and shuck it yourself and boil it in water, and set it on your table, and put butter and salt and pepper on it, and hold it up before yourself, and count all the little kernels on that cob. And you'll know what the seed multiplication ratio is, okay? Because all those little kernels, that whole cob, it came from what? One seed, okay? A lot of them, your average type, will have a 100 on there, okay? Sourgum, I like sourgum, I like sourgum molasses, very rich and dark and tasty. Seed multiplication ratio for sourgum is 1 to 100. I didn't, I didn't know this next one. This next one surprised me. The pumpkin seed is a multiplication ratio of 160. Hey, we've, we've, we've gone on beyond the 100. Well, now, Brother Brooks, all God can do is 100 times. The 100 time return, the 100 fold return means God's very best. Don't just numerically limit that. Say, now, he can't do 101. All he can do is 100. Well, here's, here's the pumpkin hitting 160, okay? So the hundredfold return is a metaphor for God's highest and God's best coming into your life. The pumpkin, 160. Here's another one that surprised me. The onion, 171 multiplication ratio. Ooh, I like onions, especially the sweet Maui onions. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The cucumber takes us into a new category, 200. Seed multiplication ratio ratio of 200. So one cucumber seed, and they're very, very tiny. I, I know because my father used to plant and grow cucumbers. And you can get 200 out of that. Woo! Out of one, you can get 200. Chilies. How many of you like chili peppers? A seed multiplication ratio of 240. If you have hybrid chilies, you can get over 300. How about that? Off one. Off one seed. That's incredible. All right, it's time, it's time to raise the bar. Let's go to a whole new level. Can we do that? Your average Joe tomato, when it's treated right, and it's got the right soil, and you take good care of it, a seed ratio of 1 to 400. Out of one seed, 400 tomatoes. Isn't that amazing? And here's something unusual. I, I never would have guessed, guessed this one. The eggplant. The eggplant. In many countries like India and Asia, they call it the, the uh, brinjal. But we call it the eggplant. has a very high seed multiplication ratio of 1 to 450. One eggplant seed got yourself 450 eggplants. Wow, isn't that amazing? Well, let's, uh, let's save a little time and jump straight to the top. Can we do that? I've got the dude on the top on my phone. Ooh. Let's see if we can pull him up. And talk about this one on the top. That's a crazy picture of it too, by the way. And I'll, I'll tell you how to find it on your uh, on the internet. And it's the top one is a special type of tomato. This is not your average Joe tomato that's you know pumping out a multiplication of 400. Which how many of you know that's not bad? 
Wow. But this one, wow. Well, uh, the gentleman who kind of made it popular and brought it into the light of the public, his name is Yang Huang. He is from Xinjiang, China. And he discovered this plant, this special tomato plant, while he was in Beijing, China. And after meeting there with scientists who were responsible for the plants that he saw there, he brought the seeds back to Walt Disney World Epcot Center. Okay? That's just a good reason to go to Walt Disney World, right? There's your excuse. Uh, the plant's uh, vines produce golf ball-sized tomatoes. Golf ball size. And they actually serve them there at the various restaurants across Walt Disney World in the salads that people eat. Uh, Mr. Huang's first tomato tree. Now, when I say a tomato tree, it's really just a tomato plant. But this thing is like, when you look at it, it looks like a tree. Um, this tree holds the Guinness World Record because it yielded a harvest of more than, of more than 32,000 tomatoes. 32,000 tomatoes from one seed. Started from one seed. The seed produced the plant. The plant produced 30, over 32,000 tomatoes. Okay? You can even take a tour of this plant if you want it. You know how some people have what, what they call maybe an amusement park behind the scenes? They have something called behind the seeds. Okay? And you can pay $18 and go look at it. Um, actually, this particular plant got sick and it died. But it's okay. They had the seeds and grew more, okay? So there's, there's plants there now producing 17,000 tomatoes and stuff like that, okay? That's when you really push it to the max. See, God can take your seed and he can multiply it. A hundred times over, meaning it's his very, very best. This is how you reach. This is how you're going to reach your heart's desires. Now, on Saturday, October the 8th, I want you to mark this on your calendar. It's going to be a very special day for you. On Saturday, October the 8th, at sundown, is the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also known as the Feast of the Harvest. It is exactly 100 days from today. It's 100 days from today. On that day... I am going to pray over the seed that you send into me, and I am going to pray and lay my hands on it and ask God to multiply your seed a hundredfold. Pastor Stephen, why is it 100 days from today? Because God is going to give you seed to sow, right? So you have 100 days to believe God for seed to take that largest, most sacred heart's desire and sow a seed for it, and have God bring it into your life. How about that? It's out of your reach, but with a seed, you can reach it and have that thing brought into your life. I believe that on October the 8th, you're going to sow a very, very sacred seed, a very powerful seed. I believe it'll be the largest seed you've ever sown in your life before, okay? And you're going to sow it on the very beginnings of the Feast of the Harvest, when there will be a portal of heaven open over these sacred feast days where the seed multiplication power will be exploding upon this mighty seed that you're going to sow that God himself is going to give you. Woo! Woo! Now, 
I want you to look at your heart's desire list. Find the most sacred one. And then let the Holy Spirit speak to you and tell you what you're supposed to sow. Okay? By the way, if you need a spouse, absolutely, you can sow a seed for that. That's why my wife is sitting back there today. She sowed a seed for me. And um, hallelujah, I was very, very excited about the harvest that came out of that. Okay? You, anything that you can sow a seed on, God can take it and multiply it. Who does the multiplying? God will. But the first thing we've got to do is get this seed into the ground. Pastor Brooks, I don't have it. No problem. Who gives seed to the sower? God does. Whose responsibility is it to supply the seed? God's. No pressure. Watch for your seed. But you must do these things first. Number one, write down your heart's desires. Number two, give financial value to each heart's desire. Number three, very important, pre-commit to sow the seed before it ever shows up. Okay? Talk it over with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says you're supposed to sow $2,000. Say, okay, I don't have it. But Lord, over these next 100 days, I'm believing by faith that you give seed to the sower, and you're going to give it to me. And I trust you for it. And you know what? I believe that on that sacred day of October the 8th, at sundown, when the Feast of Tabernacles uh, begins, you'll have your seed. You'll have your seed. And you'll sow it with great expectancy and great joy because God's given it to you and you are holding the seed for the manifestation of your sacred heart's desire. This is how you get it. This is how you work the Word of God. This is how you bring those things out of reach into manifestation of your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the fourth and final step will be that you actually sow this very special seed. <clears throat> Pastor Stephen, this seed that I am going to sow, God's going to give this to me? Yes. Now, you could have unexpected money come in. You could have something unexpected come in, or he could give you an idea, like have a garage sale. You could raise it from a garage sale. If things you're not even using, you could sell those things and sow those things. And you know what? You will have your seed. You will have your seed. Don't be shocked at that number that the Holy Spirit gives you. If it's something that shakes you, $10,000, $4,000 type seed, just know that God, God is going to provide you with a miracle seed. The same way that the city officials foot the whole bill for the large uh, musical choral concert for all those people. See, they, they take care of that. And the people just enjoy it. That's what Paul's saying. God gives, he supplies seed. Same way that they foot the bill, God's footing the bill for the seed. Okay? All you have to do is make your promise that you'll sow it. And I'll tell you what, I believe you're going to be shocked when it comes in. Not that you don't have faith for it, but that when it actually happens, it's like, wow. He's going to give you a miracle seed to sow. Because it takes a miracle seed to get a miracle harvest on that desire that you're trusting God for. You have 100 days to believe God for this seed and to receive this mighty seed into your life. And every day, what I want you to do is I want you to wake up and I want you to say throughout the day, God is my seed bank. God gives me seed to sow. 
I want you to do that every day, throughout the day. You might even do it a hundred times. Let faith arise in your heart. God gives me seed to sow. God supplies seed to me. I am a sower. God is giving me a lavish seed to sow. Just like he would provide for a large uh, choral event and foot the whole bill. In the same way, he is supplying me a lavish seed to sow. And I will sow the seed for the glory of God. Woo! And you'll sow it on the day of the great Feast of Tabernacles, which has always been known as the Feast of the Harvest. The Feast of Shavuot is the first harvest, but the Big Daddy Whopper one is the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? And I believe, I believe you will touch the heart of God through this holy act. And also this sacred seed that you will sow will allow this ministry to continue to reach further and further than it ever has before with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to build up God's people, to strengthen the church, and to reach the lost and equip God's people for the soon coming return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to lift up your hands all over the studio. I want you to lift up your hands online. I am going to pray that God give you your seed. I am going to pray that God give you the seed that you need to sow for your heart's desire to be a reality in your life. Lift up your hands right now. Father, I thank you for those who are watching, whose faith has been stirred. I ask that over these next 100 days, the seed amount that the Holy Spirit has spoken to their hearts and told them that this is what you need to sow to reach out and bring this into your life. I pray that the seed that they need, I ask and pray now, that you give it to them, that over these next 100 days, their seed come in. In the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, give them their seed. In Jesus' name. Say, I receive. Say, I believe. I have my seed. Say this, say, God is my seed bank. He is going to give me a large seed to sow and I will have my harvest say I will reach my heart's desire for the glory of God the anointing is coming down right now the anointing is coming down all over you right now the anointing is coming down in this studio the glory of God is touching you hallelujah there, a, a release just happened to you. A, a release just happened to you. And you feel joy bubbling up out of your heart. You feel the love of God that He has for you. I hear the Lord laughing today. Because the Lord sees your future. And He sees... He's, he just, it makes the Lord so happy. He's like, I've got it. I can finally, I've got what I needed to work with for that person's life. He needed your seed. He's going to give it to you. Father, I also pray for wisdom. That your people not eat their seed. They only eat their bread. They recognize the seed which is for sowing. Now your seed, you might have to let it culminate. Let it culminate. In other words, you're believing for this amount. 
30 days go by, you have this. Let it culminate until it reaches that point where you have the full amount. Then I want you to bring it into the house of God here. You can mail it in. You send it online. But I am going to pray on that day. I am going to pray on that day of the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. October the 8th. There's going to be a mighty release upon your seed. Hallelujah. The Lord is healing someone right now of deep depression. I break the chains and the shackles of depression and discouragement. You feel so discouraged, you can't even, you have not even been able to pray. You feel so discouraged that all you want to do is weep and cry. I break it off of you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus loves you. He wipes away your tears and he comforts you this day with his mighty presence. The Lord is healing migraine headaches. I rebuke these excruciating painful headaches. Loose them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody today is suffering from arthritis. I rebuke the arthritis in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, these things are leaving you. It's leaving you right now. The pain's gone. The pain's gone. God, we give you glory and honor. We give you glory and honor. Praise God. Praise God. The anointing's coming down. The anointing's coming down. Lord, we bless you. Now, the 100 days will be here before you know it. So you stay on this. I will also be sending out regular updates, notes of encouragement for this. It's a very sacred event, concluding on a very holy day. Okay, it's going to be a tremendous day of rejoicing on October the 8th as we go into that evening at sunset when the Feast of the Harvest begins. I believe you caught the message that I was endeavoring to bring to you by the Spirit of God today. So, Father, we thank you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for watching today. I'll see you back Wednesday on the Morning Glory Show. Before you leave, I would like for you to go up to the top of your page here on your screen, on your browser. You'll see a green tab called Follow. Please click that tab. It'll ask you for your email. And then you can you will be signed up so that you can follow me on live stream on, the, on this channel. Where every time we release and broadcast a service, you get it. The moment, the very instant it comes out. An email is sent to you notifying you of our program. Okay, go and do that right now. Thanks for joining me on the show. I'll see you next time. Back in the glory. God bless you. Bye-bye. about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.